you are able, I invite you to stand with me for this reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. New Year's Eve, two years ago, Pisgah National Forest, Western North Carolina, had a great opportunity to go on an adventure with my friend Robbie. Some of you know Robbie. And the thing that you have to know about Robbie is that Robbie doesn't go on adventures. His life is an adventure. And I took off on New Year's Eve to meet up with him in the evening. Well, my evening turned into night, and it was like 9 o'clock by the time that I show up to Pisgah. We meet at the base of the mountain and drive up to the top. He's like, I've got the perfect hike for us to bring in the new year. And so we drove up to the top of Frying Pan Mountain, and we pull into the trailhead parking lot. As you can imagine, at 11 o'clock at night, there are no other cars in this parking lot, because who hikes at 11 o'clock at night in Pisgah National Forest? There, we set out on a trail, a trail to go to the top of the mountain where there is a fire tower. So we start walking up the trail, and I'm like, Robbie, Robbie, do you mind if I turn on my headlamp? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, if you need it. <laughs> what do you mean, if I need it? He's like, oh, just, just keep walking. Your eyes will adjust. Your eyes will adjust as we keep going up the mountain. And so this is what it looked like at that point um, as we were walking. Yeah, that's what I could see. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> in the darkness. So we take it slow. Robbie's been there before. I have not. Robbie knows how wide the trail is and if we're about to fall off the side of the mountain. So we just keep walking. And as we walk, my eyes do start to adjust. Right? Our eyes are designed to take in whatever light that we can get a hold of so that we might see. So we continue walking what is about a mile and a half up a pretty steep incline to get to the fire tower on top of Frying Pan Mountain. And sure enough, about 11.45, we get to the fire tower, still no light. There's, there's no light involved here. There's no moon overhead either. So we get to what we can see is the structure of the fire tower and the steps that go up to the top of the fire tower. We take our adventure up to the top of the fire tower and we just stop to talk at the top of the fire tower. We know it is 12 o'clock. It is the new year. 
when fireworks start going off in all of the valleys around us, below us, right? Our eyes had adjusted to the darkness such that we could see fireworks going off five miles away, 10 miles away in the valleys below us. I think I took a picture of what that looks like. Fireworks across. Have you ever taken that picture and you've been like, why did I try to take that picture? Because you can't tell at all what that is. But I'll tell you, those are fireworks going off in the valley below us. Our eyes had adjusted to the darkness that we could see those fireworks. And it is a night that I will remember for the rest of my life going on this adventure in the dark. But more than that night in the dark, I will remember as we went back down the mountain, we're, we're doing car camping, y'all. At this point, Robbie is living the van life, okay? And I mean, I aspire to such adventures. And so he crawls in his van to sleep. I crawl in the back of my truck to sleep with both of my dogs, which is a whole nother adventure. But we, we settle in this parking lot at dark. And more than this adventure in the dark, I will forever remember the sight of light breaking in the next morning. The beauty of looking out over the mountains to see the dawn breaking, the sun coming over the horizon. And it's a beauty to behold. A beauty such that you can't even look at it a few minutes after the sun comes across the horizon. The light shone in the darkness. All right, Christmas Eve, 2000, I don't know, 25-ish years ago. Outside of Bethlehem, the city of David, shepherds are watching their flocks by night. Y'all, these kids out in the field, as Riley, my daughter, and I were digging into this passage a little bit last night, she, one of the things that stood out to her, she said, wait, they were living in the fields? Like, when you look at the nativity scene, there's not really like the shepherd's tent, like out there anywhere. You get the idea, right, that they, they just kind of show up. We don't think about where they lived, but they actually were living in the fields. They're nomadic as they follow the grazing patterns of the sheep and then as they lead the sheep through the fields. So to think that they were living out there, kids, teenagers, this was their way of life. Likely in the same fields right outside of Bethlehem and it's referred to as the city of David because this is where David is from, where David himself was a shepherd boy in the fields. These same fields that they find themselves in, the greatest king in the history of Israel would have too been grazing his family's sheep. And so the shepherds watching over their flocks because there are threats to their flocks, right? Sheep can wander off. Sheep can come in to dangerous situations. There are lions and there are bears 
y'all. <laughs> there are no lions and bears in the nativity scene, but the shepherds are there to keep them away. Wolves, sheep are not the smartest animal, and so they tend to wander into places where they can get themselves hurt. So it requires that the shepherds are looking after them. Try to imagine the darkness in the field. There's no flashlights. They didn't have the headlamp option that I had. Imagine the new kid like coming into this, like what is a normal night for every other like shepherd. A normal night of watching over the flocks. The new kid stepping onto the scene and like, hey, do you guys mind if I light this torch? They're like, sure, uh, if you need it. The shepherds, like every other night before, were prepared to protect their flock, to watch after them, when all of a sudden their lives will change forever. An angel appears and they wet their britches, right? Like the terrified nature of the angel appearing, they're like, I'm going to need to go change. I love that anytime the angel of the Lord or any angel appears, their first words are, do not be afraid. Like, what did you expect for me to do? The presence and the glory. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. This light in the darkness is the same glory that we get just as Bryant mentioned earlier, Moses. Moses has an encounter with the glory of the Lord of this magnitude in the burning bush. Isaiah, in the throne room of God, this same language, the angel of the Lord, is what is referring to the presence of God in the temple. The same that would show up to Joshua to lead the people into the promised land, to give them the battle plan that made no sense, but would lead them on into the promised land. The angel of the Lord shows up in such a glory that you can't measure it. That sunrise, the picture of the sun coming up over the mountain doesn't even compare to the glory of the Lord lighting up the darkness. And it appears to shepherds, but why shepherds? Shepherds were not highly regarded folk. Shepherds, in fact, in, in their legal system, shepherds were so outside and outcast from the system that their testimony wasn't viable in court. They were nomadic. They were thought not to be trusted. They moved from place to place. Because of their job, they were ceremonially unclean. So they couldn't step foot into the temple. They couldn't be a part of the life of the community. So they lived in the fields with their sheep. The lowliest of folks is who the angel of the Lord shows up to to make the announcement of Jesus' arrival. And so why 
who more than them recognize that they are in need of a savior, that they are in need of a better way, realizing that the way things are is not how they have to be. And they, they would be so attuned to their own need of salvation that they would go and explore without question, as we'll see in just a minute. They go and explore what the angel has to say to them because there's good news. And the angel says, it's not just good news for you who are hearing this. It's good news for all people. And the angel announces that today, not tomorrow is coming, but today in the city of David is born the Savior of the world, the Messiah. There's no question in what they are sharing in this great news. And so the waiting, the waiting that we have been in in this season of Advent, the waiting that the shepherds, that all of the people have been in for so very long, 400 years since the last prophet of the Lord had spoken. The waiting for the one who would come to set them free. And the angel says there's waiting no more. The announcement is that Jesus is here. Jesus is on the scene. And your lives will never be the same. So Jesus, my friends, is on the scene with us as we light the Christ candle as the reminder. The reminder, he is here. The good news of the arrival of Jesus, the light of the world, the glory of the Lord shining in their midst, shining in our midst. And the angel says, this is how you know it is true. This is how you know what we are saying, what I am saying to you is true. That you'll go and you'll find a baby. Wait, a baby? Yes, a baby. Wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. At this point, right, I think I would have been confused. Like, wait, the Messiah, a baby? This is not computing. The Messiah is the one who is supposed to set us free. But we don't get a glimpse of any of those questions. In fact, it jumps on into verse 13 and following. This says, Then not only is the angel of the Lord present, but a great company of heavenly hosts appears with the angel, singing glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Y'all, as they are there captivated in the darkness, as their eyes have adjusted night after night to the darkness, there before them is a blinding light, the glory of the Lord shining. And then a company of heavenly hosts. It's like a portal 
opens to see from earth into heaven. The shepherds get a glimpse of what is happening in the heavenly realm at the announcement of Jesus, our Savior, arriving on the scene. They can see the celebration. The veil is torn back so that they can see what is transpiring in the heavenly realm. And then suddenly the angels left, gone into heaven. And it doesn't say that they sat around and tried to figure out what that was or what was going on. It says, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what is happening here that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. It says, so they hurried off. And there they find what the angel said they would find. Mary and Joseph there in Bethlehem and the baby who was lying in a manger. They didn't really think about it. It prompted an immediate response to go and see, which echoes the words of Jesus over and over again in his ministry, inviting people to come and see. And so when they had seen the baby, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart that this announcement had been made to shepherds. And so the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which they had been told by the Lord. They find that what the angel said to them was true. And so today, this Christmas Eve, Bethlehem, a quiet and dark town in the Palestinian West Bank, today, where there normally would be Christmas markets, lights, and tourists galore. Friends, there's darkness, and there's quiet. Even in the darkness of the world that we find ourselves in today, God is continuing to reveal himself as light. Not just a light, but the light. He's revealing himself as light through the continued telling of this story, of the arrival of Jesus, where the author stepped into the story. The author stepped into the story of this world that he created. The author stepped into the story of your life and mine, maybe today for the first time. As we experience tragedy and death and destruction, we can step into this day, many of us, not feeling like it is a celebratory season, 
But with Jesus, we have this invitation to hold the space where the realities of sorrow and joy overlap. Joy. Maybe of family and friends coming together. Maybe of new life even entering into the world. With the arrival of Jesus, we see the light of heaven breaking through. That this overlap between heaven and earth allows us to hold the realities of sorrow and joy. Because once we've seen the baby in the manger, our lives will never be the same. You and I are invited as the shepherds were invited to come to the manger, to see what the angel said is true. And from this place, right here and right now, we can see that the author of the story stepped in to do something bigger than the shepherds could even imagine. That from looking at the manger, they could see that his body would be broken, his blood would be shed, so that the coming on earth as it is in heaven would be an ongoing reality, not a one-moment-in-time scenario, but an ongoing reality until the wilderness of this world is exchanged for the fullness of life in the beautifully crafted garden. That from the beginning there is an eternal light that is not dependent on the sun or on the moon, but is the light that we see exists in creation at Genesis 1. That before there were sun and before there were stars, before there were moon, there was light, the eternal light of Jesus, who was at the beginning. And Jesus, the light that is at the end and the restoration of all things in Revelation 21, the light that exists that means that we don't need the sun or the moon. And so, friends, we are invited into that eternal light, just as the shepherds took in the glory of the Lord, the light in the darkness. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, this morning is an opportunity to welcome the author of life and love to shine that eternal light into your darkness. The light of the Lord meets you in your darkness to show you a better way into this story. And even if you've said yes to Jesus a long time ago or many times over, maybe there are areas in your life that you're feeling darkness creep in. Or maybe you've been on a walk through a really dark valley in this season and you need a better way. Friends, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus again today. Maybe there are tough family dynamics that you're about to walk into tonight or tomorrow <laughs> or in the week ahead. Maybe you are feeling alone 
isolated, unseen, and unheard. Friends, as we say yes to Jesus, the light breaking into our hearts invites us again, invites us to look upon the one who arrived in a manger and meets us at this table today. <coughs> the one who came in a manger meets us at this table. And it's why we do this each and every week. And it's why today on Christmas Eve, we're going to do it again. That the broken body of our Savior and his shed blood paves for us a better way forward, writing the story of our lives, the story on our hearts for a better way. So if you are in need of a better way today, if you are finding yourself in darkness, what is that darkness? that you need light to shine into today. Oftentimes when we come to the table, we come row by row. Tonight, or today, today we're going to do this a little differently. I'm going to invite you to come as the Holy Spirit leads you. When you are ready for that yes, that yes to Jesus, that yes to the one who arrived in a manger that forever would shine eternal light into our darkness. I invite you to come. And if you would like someone to pray for you in the midst of that, searching out what is that darkness that you need light to shine into today, you know, there are some open seats on the front row right here, and I'm going to invite you to just come and let light meet you in the darkness. I will be glad to pray with you as you ponder right, this arrival of Jesus transforming our hearts and our lives. The one who came into the manger and invited you to the table today. So friends, join with me in prayer. Almighty God, we open our hearts to you to search us. Those places in our lives where there may be darkness. As the shepherds cried out in need of you, God, today, we find ourselves in need of you. To think of the little town of Bethlehem today, dark because of the war-torn land the war-torn hearts of the people. And we invite you again to shine light into that darkness. Let our world 
is in need of you. Our world is in need of you because we are in need of you. Search us, Lord. Know us. Prompt us to that place of saying yes to you again today. The reason for this and every season, Jesus, that we say yes to you, to overcome the power of sin and death, Friends, as you are ready, I invite you to come. Our servers are ready. Tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. You can take it back to your seat. You can bring it here to be prayed for. Let the Lord meet you in this time. Let the light meet you in the darkness. There's a gluten-free option if you need it. Just come forward and, and let them know. Come taste and see that the Lord is good.